Ah, yes, Tuesday. Sweet. It is Tuesday, all day. Why, yes, it is. All right, Frank Betts live with Pudge. How you doing, Pudge? I'm good, honey. How are you? All right, hanging in there, trying to stay cool right now. Well, you turned off the air, so that's not going to happen. Well, you know, it'll stay cool in here for a little bit anyway. Yes, it will. Ah, yes. Uh, hey, this is Tuesday, July 14th. Man, this month's almost up already. It is. Boy, this this summer of not doing anything has been really short, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a, definitely a, a memorable time, that's for sure. But uh, speaking of downers, don't forget, tomorrow, deadline, tax time. Got to pay them taxes. You got that extension from April 15th, so tomorrow, the big day. Oh, I ain't paying nothing. Oh, boy, me neither. Not paying it. It can't make me. I've had it. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this live streaming podcast is brought, uh, sponsored by Barefoot Blind. Hey, for a good time, call Barefoot Blind. Woo! Wah, wah, <laughs> I'm surprised Julie hasn't kicked the crap out of you for sitting there. You know, I I keep saying that, thinking, well, maybe if she's ever listening in or something, she might mention this. So I haven't heard nothing yet. So I don't know what to tell you. But uh, man, I sure am loving these Rode pod mics, these new mics we got here. They're pretty awesome. I know it. And uh, people are saying the gain is like these things are really gain hungry, but that's not true. And I know you don't know what I'm talking about, but for those. I do know what you're talking about. Who understand like the pregame there to load these spe- or microphones up. Um, I was real nervous. I thought I was going to have to have some kind of special equipment to plug these mics into and kind of push the power up. But uh, don't need much at all. So anyway. Not with your loud mouth. That's right. <laughs> That right there was just for the geeks out there who uh, knew what I was talking about. But Whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, looks like we're back on at the dock for Friday. 7 uh, to 11, 90 degrees. Gotta love it. Uh, 90 degrees, really? Yeah. Oh, well, that's not good. Well, enjoy yourselves as I sit in my car in the air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I could be wireless. I could be sitting in the car, too. See how long before they figured out I wasn't there. Cut your mic and your guitar <laughs> in the car. Julie's out there pouring down sweat. You're sitting in the air conditioning. Yeah, you know, I do remember one time I did that. It was inside. That was uh, over at Bo's, Bo's Bar, or by West Rock um, mm-hmm. Paper Mill there. Anybody knows that bar. That's back in the 80s. And I just got my first wireless unit. And it's kind of the same feeling you get when you get your first wireless telephone, you know, where you can just wander around. Well, Mr. Cool here decided uh, he was uh, after break. I was going to go into the men's room. And uh, I remember the song, Three Steps. (laughs) And I was going to be in the bed, and the place was busy. That was mistake number two. And I'm standing in the bathroom, and I started the song out, uh, Three Steps. You know, that burner started out problem is anybody knows anything about wireless and if you're away from your amp you get this little bit of a delay action going mm-hmm. so it kind of messes with your head a little bit but i was able to kind of overcome that so i come busting out of the bathroom and of course there's people standing all around and i couldn't hardly make it back up to the stage so i had to stop the damn song until i could run back up there and then i started it up again but that was uh 
my first big experience with wireless units. <laughs> Pretty one of, funny. One of many. Not only that, but I mean, I've had uh, CBs come through the system too. You'd be up there playing, and somebody driving by with a you know like a really powerful CB, start talking away. That's like you know, good old days. The good old days. But anyway, yeah, the dock Friday. Now I've never played outside there. I know they've got an outdoor venue area for like the bike nights and stuff. And I'm gonna look it up actually. And they got that big tall fence, so every time I've gone there, I I haven't really looked around the back there. I'm assuming they got a stage and everything. I don't know, but I know they got kind of a noise ordinance thing going on, and I guess some people have been complaining lately. You know, especially towards the last set. So somehow we're gonna have to manage to. <laughs> Back Let's it down. See, I'm gonna see outside here. Oh, that's a street map. I don't want that. That's what are you doing? Googling it? Well, I was just gonna look at there. You know, I thought Crispin and those guys, uh, it got bad out or something. Those guys were able to go back inside. Of course, the rules have changed once again. So, yes. So they now, have. so now, I guess the people that actually work there have to wear masks, and then. If there's any kind of a big gathering, then the patrons have to wear one, which makes no sense because if you're going to eat and drink, I mean, I don't know how you're going to do that. That's kind of crazy anyway. I mean, that's that's a loose way of trying to keep a a germ down, Ugh. so to speak. But anyway, while you're looking that up, yeah, we had a great weekend. Friday, we played the Bellevue Car Motorcycle Show. And debuted Dave's, our bass player's 18-inch subs, which weigh a ton. Boy, did they make a difference, though. Yes. You know, those uh, subs. Boy, it they sounded were, great. Yeah, they make up the difference big time. Well, I'm not finding any pictures of no stage out there, but doesn't mean it isn't there. That's all right. But, I mean, uh, you know, with the weather goofy and all, we got, uh, what, canceled? Weren't we supposed to play Thursday, that Thursday? Or no, no, no. Oh, was it? Or Wednesday? Last, last. Wednesday. Wednesday. Well, Wednesday we were supposed to play uh, Saints bike night, I think. And he, yeah, he cut that off. I remember that. All the way back Monday, Julie yeah. said that he decided not to do anything. So anyway, we're like, man, we just keep getting bounced off of our gigs. So finally, and even then, the the Friday Bellevue deal was kind of off and on. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they said, yeah, let's go for it. And of course, we get there and it's all cloudy and kind of rainy. The We were right under the four corners there, right outside the uh, village bar. It turned bar. out really good, though. Yeah, it did. I mean, they had a nice canopy set up for us. And once we got all set up and everything, of course, it rained briefly. You know, kind of a misty kind of a thing. And then once that went away, yeah, it, it, it uh, you know, stayed breezy out and uh, decent. Uh, didn't really get that hot. You know, I had my big fan with me, so didn't make it. But then, what? you know, I didn't even notice or anything. Did, did they really have any cars or bikes or anything out there? I only saw two classic vehicles. Really? The whole time, yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people just weren't expecting that, and I was pretty impressed. I mean, what, probably 100, 125 people or so out there? They had that cornhole game <laughs> lined up down the street. It must have been eight or ten of those games going on all at once. 
Yeah. So that kept everybody busy. But everybody seemed to be having fun. I mean, it was a good night. We played right up, uh, you know, through our, what, three sets? Yep. And then uh, kind of hung up. Oh, man. And then uh, now who was those, were those people there that had the uh, catering service for the barbecue? Oh, BFF in Bellevue. A big shout out to them. Gosh, that was good food. Holy cow, we're I'm standing up there playing and my guitar case is right there off of my left foot right there by my amp. And uh, yeah, these three people come up and set uh nicely covered plates of just a dinner plates of uh you know, with the barbecue sandwich, the macaroni and cheese. It was really good. Coleslaw. What else was in there? Was that, yeah, that was it, wasn't it? Mac and cheese. Yeah, the mac and cheese, the coleslaw, the, of course, the barbecue sandwich. Yeah, they had two sandwiches in there. Oh, man, those were good. So, yeah, big shout-out to those folks. I mean, where were they located? Right there beside the bar, the village there? Yeah, I think there were a couple maybe places down from the bar. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was a nice little touch there. Appreciate that. And, uh, yep, then we... Uh, Broke up and cleared out, and then, of course, the next day we had the private party over on Helmer Road. Uh, we've been to quite a few times. Yeah, that, like six years or something. Yeah, I know it. It doesn't seem like it. But, um, yeah, that, that was kind of a quiet party, too. Now, they were, like, really on the fence about having anything going on. But, again, a couple of days before, they said, hey, let's do it. So we went over there and got all set up and... Uh, do, 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 do. I don't know. There's probably about a third of the people that normally come out there, because it's usually a rowdy little party, you know. But uh, everybody was kind of, actually, kind of quiet and just pretty much sat there and watched us and chatting amongst themselves. And then, of course, the uh, ever creative mosquitoes come out. About our last set and mm-hmm. started doing the mosquito dance, and that was about it. Broke down and. Well, that's not the place. I'm still trying to find that. Oh, the. Yeah. That uh, barbecue place? Yeah. Hmm. Didn't they give us a card or something? No. Hmm. But anyway, yep, that was it. That was the weekend. And then, of course, I didn't have. Uh, any kind of hangover really so i got ambitious sunday and i went down my little list of people there that i wanted to get on and talk to no particular order i just you know started writing down names and uh i got quite a few people and i just started making message you know messaged each one of them and never really heard nothing back and i thought okay great i'll just we'll just talk it out this time but then all of a sudden uh, Tom Bishop got back with me and said, heck yeah. So I talked to him for about 40 minutes. Great conversation. Everything was great. Guy's really interesting. And uh, what happens, as soon as I hang up, I look down at my mixer. And that pause button is still on. So I was unable to get to that didn't record. So I was pretty pissed off, and I went over and kicked the dog. You did not. Yes, I did. It, he She's still limping. He, oh, whatever. Still got a little bit of a limp there. Hey, I apologize. So I apologize. I apologized. Because you know if you ever kicked one of my dogs, you'd still be limping. Oh, what are you <clears> going to do? You have to sleep sometime. Is that a threat? No, it's a promise. This is recorded, you know. I don't care. 
so much for that. So anyway, so I got to make it up with him. Told him I wanted to get back with him, so I'm going to do that tomorrow. And uh, actually going to hit the record button. And then, of course, uh, Crispin gets back and says, hey, let's do it. So I got with him, had a nice conversation with him, which you're going to hear here in just uh, a few minutes. And um, then another fella chimed in who I uh, asked to be on. Uh, his name is uh, Adam Leslie from Ugly Guitar Repair out of Hastings, Michigan. A <laughs> really nice fella. He's been at it for a long time. He, I mean, he builds them, um, repairs them, brings them back up into shape. Uh, and if you're a musician and you need something fixed fast, all you got to do is call him up and he'll take you right in and, and try and fix it. And if he can, he says he's got a couple of guitars right there that in a pinch you know you could use those so that's pretty cool when somebody will do that for you so after talking to him a little bit i said well heck fire i got a uh, uh little gibson tv yellow double cut faded uh, 2007 gibson guitar here that uh, i actually bought in 2007 and um i i don't know i got to where i just didn't trust it, it didn't want to stay in tune it's almost like um I, well see i changed the strings Went to a heavier gauge and I tried to adjust the neck. Then I went to a lighter gauge and I did it again and I got it all out of whack. So I got some buzzing going on and I don't have the patience to sit there and work that out. So I'm going to run that over to him. So and that brought me to another thing here. I, TV yellow. And uh, musicians think, well, that's a that's an odd color. Where would you get TV yellow? And actually that's tele for television. It's a yellow color that uh, Gibson come out with. So back in the uh, early days of black and white, the uh, guitars would let off some kind of a like a psychedelic, psychedelic streaming effect because of the colors of their guitars. So they figured out, hey, if we come up with this yellow, particular yellow color, mm-hmm. then it would show up on uh, black and white TV and that have those trails in there or anything like that so um that's where that come in but you know they're actually let's see here let me bring this up yeah it says here in the early days of television some tv sets came in a a yellowish color called limed mahogany the les paul tv model was also also described as having a limed mahogany finish. In the guitar world, limed mahogany eventually became referred to as TV yellow. And okay, and again, and it says here in story number two, it says in the early days of television, using pure white props on a live TV shoot would produce video artifacts. And uh, legendary inventor Les Paul suggested a wheat-colored guitar finish. And it would appear, appear white on TV, but wouldn't overwhelm the cameras. And the finish was called TV white. The color was later modified by adding yellow, thus TV yellow. So there you have it. Cool. Yeah. Which, I, for a long time, I never really understood what the heck that meant, TV yellow. So, anyway. that's. And you now right. you know. That's right. Now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> Okay, let's see here. There was something else. Oh, yeah, I got a replacement speaker for my uh, Bandit 112. My God. You know, that's that's another thing. My uh, um, my quilter amp 
That little black amp I bought, that was a failure. Boo. Boo hiss, and he waited for it forever. Uh, well, <clears throat> I brought it out to the <clears throat> Bellevue thing there and had that extension speaker that I normally use with my uh, Bandit 112. So I plugged it in and hooked up my pedals to it, and I don't know, it just had a really thin sound. I worked and worked on that. I don't know, maybe you need an open-back speaker. This one was closed-backed. Could be. And, man, I was working like on... Like I know. I was working on that thing like crazy, and even Julie come up and said, that that thing doesn't sound right. And I said, I know it. I've been fighting it. So after that first set, I said, heck with it. I'm going to try the band at 112 again. Maybe, maybe it's straightened out. <laughs> you know, I could be so lucky. So I drug it out of the car, plugged it in, and nope, the speaker... It still had that nasty old grindy, grainy tone to it. So I thought, all right, I'm just going to unplug that speaker and then plug an extension into the extension cabinet. And as soon as I did that, bam, I had my old sound back. I never thought the speaker itself would go out like that. But I'm kind of lucky, though, because I paid 70 bucks for another uh, Blue Marvel 80 watt speaker so i'm going to be putting that in probably tomorrow and then be ready for friday so the quilter block's going to be sitting up here like all my other cool little experiments god <laughs> I don't, you know i just got to thinking that i got that me 70 paddle and then i bought the me 80 which has a few more effects on it that are available right away and I just realized I bought that two years ago, almost three years ago. Two years ago? Was it? Yeah, two years ago. And I think I used it once up at Saints, and I didn't like the distortion sound. They had messed with it. So I went back to the 70, and there it sits up there, my pile of stuff, my goodies. (sighs) So (laughs) there's, there's something else, so... I shall continue to make payments on the Quilter Block 201. And they're not making that no more, so that's, you know. (laughs) I'm trying to make the best out of this situation. You know that, don't you? I'm listening. You hear me? See what I'm saying? I'm listening. See what I'm saying? Okay. Well, you got anything to add to all that mess? You know, I just can't compete with all your musical knowledge, so I'm just going to back out. Musical knowledge? Yes. I like that. It's kind of like the old smoke and mirrors thing. Kind of, yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, hey, let's uh, let's listen to that little conversation I had with Mr. Crispin Bocanegra. Let's do it. Guitar dude. Hello? <laughs> Crispin, what's up? Frank, how are you? <laughs> All right. I finally made the hookup. Hot dog. I'm telling you why, you are one busy dude. You know that? Good. You know, I try. I try. um, I got this little thing in my head that says if I'm always staying busy, I'm staying out of trouble. So. (laughs) Oh, is that how that works, huh? Right. Well, whatever. I tell you what, I'm having a rough day. I just got off the phone with uh, Tom Bishop. Uh huh. Had a had a nice little conversation with him that I was going to put up on one of my shows. And we talked, I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes. A great conversation. I looked down, and I forgot to hit record. I'm Crap. a recorder. 
<laughs> oh my god, I about lost my mind. I've done that twice, and all this time I've done interviews. I mean, the other times it was like a frozen app or something that I was trying to record through. But you know, I buy this nice mixer and everything just for this reason. And what do I do? I forget to hit the dead gum record button. I don't know. <laughs> so I got to get back with him again Wednesday, I guess, and uh, do this all over. But uh, anyway, so you're not playing tonight, huh? I am not playing tonight. Uh, we did have a Sunday uh, show. Uh, as a rule, Brent, Brent Cole and I were doing the guitar yogi thing uh, mm-hmm. with our friends over at uh, Wild Mike's. But as as the times are what they are, um, it does make it kind of difficult and a little scary for people to uh, to commit to doing anything on a weekly basis. So it's been pretty challenging for working musicians such as myself to stay busy or even come close to being as busy as what we used to. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I- yeah, I knew when uh, this started back in uh, March, it's it's like, man, when I found out that they're shutting everything down, it's like, man, those fine folks that are doing this for a living or who really like to play and a lot of commitment going on, and then, bam, all of a sudden it just shuts down, and uh, that's got to be rough, you know? But... It, is, it is. It's tough, and, and if you're somebody like me who really, really loves to play music, um, it was purposeful for me to be that busy, but you know more so. I mean, who gets to go? And I, I really reluctantly uh, hate to call it work, but when I go to work, who gets <laughs> to hang out with their friends? You know, for an entire yeah. evening. You know, and I look forward to it. And I just realized here recently how much um, importance people put on those uh, those nights of not only listening to our music, but more importantly for our friends to get together. And you know yeah. this from being a musician. Yeah. Um, you know, we're kind of well, the catalyst, so to speak. But Well, it's it's a time to get out and forget about it for a while, you know, and forget your problems, go out and enjoy the music, and then just go from there. Absolutely. That's the whole, whole idea. But I, I see here that uh, you're going to play, what, Wednesday with Norman over at uh, the Sand Hill at 7 p.m., right? Yes. And, and then you got Chameleon that you're with over at Friendship Park. Uh, that's at 5 p.m. And then Saturday with Brent Cole over at Albion Eagles. So it's nice to see a Eagles facility like that opening back up. I know this one right down here by me, this American Legion here, they've, they've pretty much completely shut down because they're just scared to death of, you know, what's going on. And uh, in fact... Yeah, I mean it's it's just crazy right now. It's just well that and you played JB's Friday night, right? We did, and uh, that was pretty amazing. Um, at some point, when you when you figure out exactly what it is, at least you you say to yourself, you figure out what it is that you're trying to accomplish with whatever project it is. You mm-hmm. know what you want it to do. You know what you want it to sound like, and we finally were able to make all that come together on Friday, and more importantly, by actually having a, a sound man. And we've talked about that forever. And mm-hmm. it, it really took a lot of the, the 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 focus off from what I do and just allowed me to have fun and play and not have to worry about the sound. And we had an absolute blast. And everybody yeah. at JV's was fantastic. Yeah, it was nice. It was a close one, though, due to the weather. I know you were talking about <laughs> you weren't sure, and then you had to... Flip him a twenty dollar bill just uh, to keep it from raining. 
<laughs> I thought that was he, pretty cute. <laughs> yeah, he came, he came through. He came through. I mean, literally, we uh, we had rain coming through the the roof of the stage there about a half hour before uh, before showtime, and then it was blue skies <laughs> and perfect. <laughs> yeah, we had to play out at uh, Bellevue at the car show there uh, Friday night, and they we played right out there at the Four Corners, right in the middle of the road. And uh, as soon as I got there, you know, it was cloudy and everything, and they had a couple of uh, tents over us, uh, whatever you want to call those. But, um, yeah, and then all of a sudden we just we just got our equipment set up, and I'm looking around, and I see this mist, and it's starting to rain. And I'm like, holy crap, because we're already standing in puddles as it is, you know. And I was just thanking the Lord that I'm all wireless, you know, because I'm just looking around like, wow, the things we do, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it cleared up, you know. Absolutely, I I don't think you're you're actually fully a true musician unless you've been zapped at least at one time. And let me tell you what, I don't want to be oh. zapped again. I really don't. No, I, I was uh, telling telling Tom earlier. I said I I've been bit really good by a microphone, and that's when I I flat out went wireless because man, that does not feel good getting hit by a microphone, especially when you hear the pop when that thing grabs your lip. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, uh, uh, you know, there's people been killed from that, actually, uh, getting electrocuted like that. But, uh, no, wireless, that's the way to go. That's all I can say. But, uh, you know, Chris, i got to ask you, and I, I'm curious, and I know you've been asked this many times before, but how did you get started in the music? I mean, what, what made you want to really do it and play the guitar, actually? Or did you actually start out with the guitar? Well, my, my whole music journey started at a very early age, and thankfully uh, I grew up in a music household. My father had a band. My mother and father played music together, um, which was... It was just an amazing thing for me because I got the Latin portion from my father's side of the family, mm-hmm. and then I got the bluegrass gospel from my mother's side of the family. She was born in Prestonsburg, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And as different as those two cultures are, they're very much the same. You know, family, fun, music, and food. Yeah. And that was, that was the life I grew up in, and I can remember... I think it was my fourth birthday, fourth or fifth birthday. My father bought me a set of drums from the from the showcase window of Dickerson's Music in Albion, <laughs> and and my mother was was not happy with that choice. It <laughs> um, drove her crazy. And then later on came uh, a bass guitar. A couple years later, and I actually didn't start playing guitar until much later, at probably around eight or ten years old, but had been playing all those instruments at the same time. Wow. There were all yeah. the bands rehearsing at the house, so mm-hmm. all the gear was there, and I got an opportunity to play and watch. And I just was a big sponge, because back at that time, uh, because of my diverse background, I was witnessing jazz players, uh, bluegrass gospel, uh, Latin, blues, uh, rock. All of that was, was within the... Uh, the reach of me at a very early age, so I had a, a, a wide range of appreciation for music. And that, mm. I, and again, my my dad was was a, was a part-time musician on the weekends, and I saw just how people looked at my parents, you know, being entertainers, and, and how much fun it was, and how much people look forward to seeing them. And I said, man, this is wonderful. I got to do this, too. <laughs> yeah, catchy. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Wow, that's cool. I know it's uh, it, wow, eight years old. I was a late bloomer myself, so eight years old. I mean, I wasn't even thinking about that at the time. It was uh, <laughs> you got me on that one. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I think I probably started playing with my father's band at that age, right about wow. seven, eight years old. Yeah. Well, you know, that's it. That's good, though. I mean, they passed it on like that and gave you the chance to, you know. To do what you want to do and, and, and gave you that room. I mean, you can't beat that, you know. But uh, you you do. You, jeez, uh, you're like a human encyclopedia of music. <laughs> I mean, every time I see you, you're either playing bass for somebody or guitar or you're doing the singing. I don't think I've ever seen you play the drums, though. I, I wasn't aware of that part. And that's funny you mentioned that because back in the day, um, this would have been maybe between 25, 28 years ago when I was living in Michigan for a short period of time. Um, I I was uh, introduced to Paul Rogers and Jack Case, who I never knew. Mm -hmm. And uh, we started up a band shortly shortly afterwards. Uh, um, Lynn Hankey was with us at one point. Um, Gosh, I'm drawing a a blank about the keyboard player that was with us. Two brothers (laughs) that play keyboards. Um, Mm. It'll come to me in a minute. But um, all of us had a love for the other instruments that, you know, our bandmates were playing. So at some point during the middle of the night, one of us would holler switch. And I would go to the drums, Paul Rogers would go to the bass, and Jack Case would go to guitar. And we would play an entire set like that. Okay. Yeah. It was a lot of fun to be able to do that, and it was entertaining for the crowd, but I think we did it more for us than we did for anything. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Definitely keeps it interesting, that's for sure. I did not yeah. know that. I didn't I didn't think uh, Paul Rogers played anything else but the guitar and the drums itself. I know he was really caught on to the guitar there and kind of wanted to back off the drums a little bit, but I didn't know he played bass guitar. That's uh, interesting. Hmm. Yeah, Paul's a pretty pretty talented guy. Of course, Jack was amazing. But uh, I think, and I, I can say this uh, truthfully, that the best band that I've ever been in in my whole entire life was with those two guys, just purely because of the chemistry. I mean, you pray to be in a, in a situation like that where the harmonies and everybody's voices just jive. Mm-hmm. Our three-part harmonies were just wonderful, and, and that's always been a, a major thing for me was, I actually, I think the vocals are more important than the music. I think people will be more forgiving of your band if you're probably an okay musician, but if the, if the vocal potential is not there, I think that really makes or breaks a good band. I so, agree completely on that. I agree. Yep. Yeah. We spend a lot of time with vocals, but yeah, Definitely. Well, see, that's that's the thing about uh, me. Um, I don't know. I was just we never had uh, that many people that really paid attention to the vocals like that. I mean, you get the one guy who did all the singing or something, and then of course, you know, whoever else could do backup, and then you just went from there. But I understand what you're saying because I'd go listen to a band, and if I heard the vocals really good, I'd almost forget the musical end of it and just listen to the vocals. You know, the real tight vocals, and you could tell they've been practicing when you go that far. You know. Absolutely. And if you think about the evolution of music, um, way back in, I'll just pick the 50s, I mean, just the harmonies and the vocals, and the vocals were so much mixed more over into the music and the, and the 
the, the melody and everything was in the background, but the vocals were up front and prevalent. And then it kind of reversed itself, you know, in the 60s and 70s, and it became more about the music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the introduction of the jam bands like the Grateful Dead, and the list goes on and on. But it seems like it's come back full circle, and, you know, at least it is for the music that I listen to. And I like all kinds of music, but the vocals are are a number one for, for all of us, definitely. Oh, exactly. So what do you think about the latest, you know, the the country-style music? I mean, do you like that? Are you able to work with that, or do you just kind of shy away from it, or what? You know, the projects that I'm playing in currently haven't afforded me the opportunity to even concentrate on on, uh, on anything country, which stinks because I listen to it on occasion when I have the opportunity, mm-hmm. and... I mean, it's it, it evolved, much like every other music uh, genre. It's evolved, and I know how popular it is. And, you know, I've sometimes, depending on, on who you're talking to, there'll be a lot of guitar players that will say, eh, country. And I'm thinking, have you listened to those guys play? <laughs> you know, they're amazing. Yep. All of them are. They're amazing musicians. Yeah. Um, I will tell you, there's one thing that I, I do miss most about about listening to new country is that I was raised on old country. My mother listened to, you know, uh, Freddie Hart, Loretta Lynn, Conway Twitty, Charlie Pride, mm-hmm. that kind of music. And there's one instrument that's missing that I'm so in love with, and I promised myself I would learn how to play one, the pedal steel guitar. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I love that instrument. It's There's far and few between people that, uh, you know, can really do that or even find anybody that'll do that, let alone somebody who's really interested in, in setting that stuff up and, and like getting involved with bands or whatever because uh that really does add, add adds a lot of color and flavor to a song because you just don't hear it that often, you know. It's always just the guitar, bass, drums and maybe a little keyboard or whatever. So that definitely adds a whole bunch to it. Yeah, I was very surprised. We did a show recently, and it was an early show, so on my way back to town, I stopped by JB's, and Dave Moore's band was playing, and Tim Taylor had a pedal steel on stage, and I'm in the middle of a conversation, and I heard that <laughs> thing, and I just spun right around, and, yeah! <laughs> oh, That's my it. gosh. And he's That's, a great uh... guitar player. He's a fantastic guitar player. He's something out. He's got a lot of energy. I know that. He's got a lot of energy. Boy, that guy, and you know it's him. You can hear him from a mile away. I've watched him a couple of times. And the thing of it is, he plays through the PA system. He doesn't really have an amp or anything. And, you know, that's interesting because uh, Tom Bishop uh, uses a, I think it's a Friedman monitor. uh, Uh, Not a traditional amp. And, you know, he's got his big helix floorboard and uh yeah, so recently, i was just the guy that plugged the cord into an amp and that was it <laughs> well i tell you what nowadays it's it's really getting to the point there where you can really you know you can almost bypass an amp if you truly want to but i'll, I'll never do it because i went through that whole phase of the pedals and you know, and going directly through the PA, but I just love having that control of an amp behind me, that nice analog sound going on, and I don't know, I, I, 
I bought one of those expensive pedals, and I just wound up only using about three effects, and then I didn't like the distortion in, really. It always had a kind of a, oh, a little, I, I can't explain the sound to it too much, but it it wasn't what I wanted, so I went right back to analog pedals again in my little PV-112, and here I sit. <laughs> Absolutely. I have... Um I have my crate V32-112 with the 30-watt tube amp, and I liked it so much, and I'm a little superstitious, so I bought a second one just as a backup. <laughs> and so I put them on stage side-by-side, side and people go, oh, cool, stereo. Well, and I don't <laughs> yeah. want to say anything, but the no. second one isn't even turned on. It's oh, man. purely there in case I need to, you know, pop a cord into it and fire it up. But it's just, to me, I think you need that amp. Because mm-hmm. it's part of your, it's part of your playing style. It's part of who you are. And how can you really control those little nuances that your ear hears unless mm-hmm. your amp is right there? Exactly. If you really need your amp. I agree with you completely. Have you ever heard of a quilter amp? Little yes. Handsome. I went and bought one of those. Speaking of an amp going out, my uh, we were playing. Uh, bike night here about a month ago wild mics and i i went to hit a note and my speaker just went to nothing it was like a real raspy sound and i'm just like great luckily my other guitar player was uh practicing and just kind of tinkering around with a second amp that he happened to bring so i wound up having to use that for the night so i i said to heck with it so i thought now i'm gonna get this little quilter and i've got a nice little uh, extension cabinet and both of them together are only like 23 pounds and you know you can just walk wow. up there with this little lamp and that little quilter 200 watts in that thing and uh, plug my pedals in there and i was good to go but you know what i i tried playing it here oh well friday night actually and i didn't like the sound at all and i i i just i don't know there's a 500 amp quilter amp had just sitting in my music room along with a pile of other stuff I got that I still shake my head at like why did I buy that <laughs> you know I mean I just look at my stuff and I'm like gee whiz I've got a little uh, bit know. of everything and you can't resell this stuff you know you'll never get out of it what you paid for it and so there it sits I mean I can open yeah it is music unfortunate store. and you know as as guitarist <laughs> and I'm sure this is probably true for, for, for any musician, but probably especially for guitarists. You're always in search of that infamous guitar-amp combo that's going to give you that sound <laughs> and feel that you've always been looking for. And I don't exactly. know about you, but I've been, I'm, I'm still looking. I mean, I have some things that I really like, but my ear hears something that I haven't been able to, you know, legitimately mm-hmm. produce, and I, I don't think you need to have a a $3,000 amp and a $3,000 no. guitar to make it. Mm-mm. It's all in the fingers. Fingers make the I, sound. I truly believe that. I truly believe that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you always hear those stories of those rock rock guitarists, you know, the, the the big name guys there, and they're like, you know what? I was checking out Eddie Van Halen's set up there after he got done practicing, you know, before the show, and I went up and played his guitar, and it sounds nothing like me, you know, or Eddie. <laughs> You know, exactly. it's tr- truly in the fingers. I don't care who you are, but it's true. You know, I mean, when you have somebody set in on your equipment, it sounds totally different, right? I mean, you know. It's, it is true. It's not... it, it is true. Um, and that's, <laughs> I think, to me, that's one of the coolest things about going and I wasn't able to do it a lot because I was so busy, but I'm able to do it now more so than ever. I love going and watching other bands 
and just listening and watching what other guitarists do because the cool thing about the guitar is there's no right or wrong. It's just mm-hmm. how you perceive it and how it works in your hands. Well, that's it. And, and, and it's fun to watch how somebody approaches a song as compared to yourself because sometimes you think, oh, man, yeah, I could have done it that way. That looks a lot easier than what I was just trying to do. And then you steal that and you run off. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, Absolutely. Uh, I, I got a question, and I know people are getting tired of me asking this, but have you ever heard of that Positive Grid Spark Amp? I'm sorry, what was that? A Spark Amp. It's called a Positive Grid. Positive Grid is the name of the company, but it's they make a amp called Spark. It's called a Spark Amp. It's like a little practice is, amp. Is that that little one? It it was on Facebook uh, back in November, and I was talking to uh, Tom Bishop about it, and I guess he's waiting for one. And uh, yeah, it took me like five months to get this thing because they were they. It was a startup company, and. I think I paid like 200 bucks to the door if you got in early. And I knew it was going to take a while because they just, you know, like I said, starting up. And I think they got overwhelmed. And it, it took me probably five months to get this thing finally. But I'm glad I waited. It's a well-built little amp, definitely a practice amp. And it's great for somebody who um, can't read music per se, but there's a, a app that you can put on your phone. It's a free app. And you search for a song, and it analyzes the chords and everything, and then it follows right along with the song. And if you oh. can't pick that up, you can actually slow the song down, or you can loop sections of it and sit there and play that over and over and over on this thing. It's pretty incredible. That's, it's, that's it's brilliant. Well yeah, it is. I mean, I wish I would have had something like this back in the day. I mean, you know, remember when you just have to... You wore out that poor record, you know, playing that one <laughs> part over and over and over. <laughs> you know, That's why I'm but. so uh, totally amazed by guys like um, like Jake, uh, Jake Kershaw, and and, oh, yeah. uh, and and Allie Garland. I mean, that generation, they don't know... <laughs> they don't know anything other than instantaneous. I mean, that's their mm-hmm. that's their that's their world. I mean, it, they want something they can have it instantaneously. We had to, you and I had to figure out how mm-hmm. to make those chords and how to make that sound. And, and wow, how did you get that? And and sit down and like you said, pick the needle up, put it back on the record, play that part, pick the needle, flip, <laughs> and so on. But now with the advent of the internet, and you know they've got people that show you how to do it you know, from beginning to end and all the guesswork is gone. And I well, think it's made I think it's made the kids much more efficient at mm-hmm. playing. But you know, and nothing I don't take away anything from any of those kids because they're amazing. It's just I look at our generation and I just see I see a different kind of emotion on stage. It's it's like we we got a like a like a badge of honor being a guitar player because we had to spend some time learning the instrument. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, it's well. See, that's what ticks me off. Is like now, you know, you can go on YouTube and find any song, find a cover band doing a song where they break it all down and make it nice and easy sounding without all the studio background stuff. And you're thinking, okay, I could get away with that. But then you know, you find some little little twelve year old kid on there just tearing it up, and I'm like, oh, that's how you do it. And it's like, ah, 
dirty little rat. <laughs> I had to learn this song of a 12-year-old, and I'm over here practicing like crazy. And got my finger stretched out about eight inches trying to hit a really cool chord and come to find out it's like, you know, three note, you know, three strings right there at the second fret or something. I was like, okay, that's it. I don't need this aggravation. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Uh, hey, but it's true. It is true. Yeah. <laughs> It is exactly. Hey, um, I didn't know that. I asked Tom. I goes, "Hey, who do you know that uh, works on amps and guitars?" Now you you pretty much work on the guitars, right? Yeah, and that was all out of um, that was all out of necessity because I was doing something to supplement my income when I wasn't playing as much, and I was mm-hmm. buying and selling instruments. Well, you know, I would get the occasional phone call. Hey, you know guitar needs a little bit of work I'll give you a good deal on it so then I was getting these guitars that needed things and said, you know what it's mine I own it I'm going to see if I can fix it mm-hmm. wasn't too sure about working on anybody else's I didn't want to ruin a nice guitar so luckily <laughs> I spent some time and I'm pretty comfortable doing you know basic repairs and that kind of thing mm-hmm. but uh, I picked it up later in life I mean I never worked on my instruments ever probably until about I don't know six seven years ago Really? Okay. Well, I I don't know. I've tried my hand at it, and I I don't know. I've got like four guitars here, and I've tried fooling with them. I actually got my Strat that I bought back in 2011. I got it off of uh, Sweetwater, and I got real lucky. I pulled that thing out of the case, and the only thing I've ever been doing to it is just replacing it with the Fender Bullets. You know, the ones that come on, that were originally on it and i've never right. had to do any other work and i'm scared to death if i ever have to have anything done to it or something happens to it because that is flat out my go-to guitar now and i i don't know i've tried you know setting them up and what have you but i i seem to make things worse than i do gets better you know <laughs> and and i've i've got people that go hey take it over to so-and-so and you know they can do this and that and i've done that and then it just it never quite worked out so you know more power to you that you can work on that stuff yourself. I mean, some people got the patience for it, some don't. I don't know, but it's not me. Well, I'll just for, go buy for, another guitar. <laughs> for me, it's a quest of trying to make it, uh, it. It really is a challenge. I put that guitar on the bench, and I just look it over from front to back, and then I make a list of everything that I think it needs to have. And pretty much every guitar gets the same thing. Well, I mean, when I do a setup, everything gets um, addressed. Uh, right down to cleaning the fretboard, polishing the frets, all the things that you don't get with a normal guitar setup, but actually mm-hmm. help your guitar to play better. Um, oxidation on your fret wire will slow you down. A dirty fretboard that hasn't been conditioned will slow your fingers down. And it's mm-hmm. amazing what happens when you get your guitar back and it's set up not the way the person who worked on it thinks it should be set up, but the yeah. way that Frank Betts would like his guitar to be set up. And that's what a good person... Uh, someone who's good at working on guitars will do because it's subjective how a guitar plays to each guy. Some people like oh. high action, some like it really close, like I do. You yeah. know, and you change a gauge of string on a guitar, it needs a setup now. Well, so, see that? Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, I've had guitars where I've had tens on them, and then I got tired of working with tens, so I go to nine, and of course that changes everything around. Right you on. Know. Yep. Yep. So, you know, the tension of the neck and all that other good stuff. So, I don't know. That's why I just keep the, the, the default string, the nines that come with that, that Fender Strat. And I've just been lucky with it, I guess. I don't know. But uh, that's my go-to girl right there. <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, um, I, got a, 
I got to mm-hmm. tell you this, Frank, before I forget. Mm-hmm. Out of all the bands around, you guys have the best set list. We've talked about it at chameleon rehearsals. I don't know if your guys' ears are ringing, but we like <laughs> your guys' set list the best out of all the bands around. No offense to anybody who may be listening, but uh, we wow. like your guys' set list. Well, thank you for that. I mean, yeah. that's saying a lot for somebody that gets around like you do. Appreciate that. You know, it's it's a lot of that really is Julie. She'll uh, she goes around and listens to all these people that you know say, "Hey, why don't you do this song?" Or she'll hear something and then she'll uh, message me and go, you know, she'll give me two or three songs. She goes, "What do you think of this, Frank? Can we pull this off there?" And I'll work on them a little bit and give it a yay or nay, and then we just go from there. But I don't know. It I will say it is quite a variety. Um, it's a challenge sometimes um, to you know. <laughs> fit other people's styles like that especially when i was only guitar for a while you know you got to sit there and make a choice do i want to continue with a rhythm or go for a little lead here or how do you want to do that and i know you've been through that i'm sure you think about that too you know yeah it, it forced me to play differently um it, well it does. you have no choice i mean because as a power trio you know once you stop playing rhythm and you go to lead the whole rhythm section of the song drops out so I, at least for me I found a way, and this started when I was a kid. I had heard the bass line in a song, I heard the chording, and then I would hear little melody runs that people would do, and then the solos. I tried at a very early age to do as many of those parts at the same time. And what it did is it opened up my brain to do soloing way later when I was older. But more importantly, it taught me to play differently and to be more of my own accompaniment. And And uh, it's weird, but... That's a little trick to that. It's you know you you just don't do it. Either you can you know pull something like that off, or you can't. I mean, you, I mean you can always tell a guitar player who's always been a rhythm player because they're super strong on that. And then when a lead comes up, you know they just kind of things kind of fall out and vice versa right. too. I mean, you get a lead guitar player and that guy's just staring at the singer waiting to play a lead, you know, <laughs> and. You can always tell, but uh, yeah, to hit a happy meaning, I'm like you there. I listen for the melody and at least try to get the lead a little close to the original part, but then you got to put your own little bit in there because you go nuts trying to do note for note. Um, that's no fun because you're just sitting there staring off into space, like trying to be perfect, and you can't interact with people. So, you know, you got to look like you're having some fun too, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. But, but uh, all right, I got to ask you, what's your uh, favorite song right now that you guys are doing or that you just learned or, and that you're, like, really hyped up about? Oh, my gosh. That's funny that you say that because there are so many songs, uh, and I'll, I'll just pick Chameleon. Uh, there's so many songs that we do in our, <laughs> in our, our group that um, I guess it kind of defies... Uh, playing that song because you have two guitars in your band, meaning that there aren't any horns, there aren't any keys, you don't have uh, a rhythm section, but as a three-piece, when we do like a BBL show, um, my favorite song to do is uh, Beginnings by Chicago, and that is a major, major horn song. Mm-hmm. But, but we've gotten a lot of compliments as a three-piece with no drums, no horns, doing that song. <laughs> um, it's one of my faves and again I think it's a huge compliment when someone comes to you at the end of the night and they say man 
what was that song you did? And then, oh, yeah, it was this, this. Well, I like your guys' version. Oh, yeah. That's to nice. me, that is, and I, I know you get that, too. And that is just, man, that's icing on the cake. It, really it makes is. it worth it. it. makes it all worth it. The effort that you went through to figure all that out and get it the way that you thought it should be and, and, and what you're going to be able to, you know, do and accomplish. And, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, you're right. It's icing on the cake. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's icing you know? on the cake. And, I mean, and there are a few in, in Chameleon, uh, but uh, I think my my roots, if you dig way deep inside, way deep down in there, what my playing style is, is, I have a lot of soulful approach to the guitar. Um, while I can play grungy, uh, while I can play um, whatever the genre calls for, I really have a, a soulful style to my play. And I think uh, I love how that comes through on some of the stuff that we play. And, and again, it goes right back to what an old blues player told me when I was a little boy. He told me, he said, if you don't ever do anything as a guitarist, when you get older, remember this. Every single song you play, you own it. And I didn't understand as an eight <laughs> or nine-year-old what it meant to own a song, you know. Yeah. And then it finally came across to, it's like, put your, put your touch on it, put your stamp on it. Because that's what people are coming to listen to. Mm-hmm. If they want to hear... Um, the latest song, they can listen to it on the radio, but they're coming to see Frank Betts play a song because they like the way he plays. And that's and that's what we owe to everybody when they come to see us. Play your heart out, do things that make you happy, and that'll come across to your crowd. They'll see you having fun, and they have fun. Oh, man. Nice. I couldn't have said that any better. That's so true. But, yeah, you do have... I like the way you do chords. You do... You you like really have a nice variation the way you run those chords and that's my problem i have a tendency to like bar chord everything up and and then tack on a little bit here and there to kind of pretty it up a little bit but yeah you you um you definitely fill it out and of course you're singing i i don't know how you do i don't know how you remember all those songs i just it's beyond me without cheat sheets somewhere you know and you know it's, it's funny too because there's a running joke or some somebody mentioned a long time ago. He said you can't remember your kids' birthdays, but you can remember five thousand songs. <laughs> well, it's crazy, but <laughs> well, you know that's true. And and the thing about that was what was nice about the the country music of the seventies and eighties. I mean, you're talking three chords, and they all told a story, so it was a lot easier to remember those songs. You know, because there was exactly. always something said. You get something going now, and boy, those guys are really starting to cram the words together. That's one thing I've noticed about it. They're just following those 16th notes, one after another. It's like, wow, how can you do that? You know, but hey, whatever. I'll, I'll stick with my George Jones. <laughs> and you know, it's great, too, because when I, when I play with uh, Brent Cole, we kind of have similar... Um, childhood experiences growing up with uh, parents that played music and the huge influence of country music. And when we do our guitar yogi thing together, we find that we keep leaning towards the old classic country stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's got all those licks down. I've never seen a guy play the acoustic guitar the way he does with the 13s that he has on it and can bend those. Oh, it's amazing. He's a great guitar player. Um, he's kind of a a well-kept secret in this area. People go, yeah, he's Brent Cole's always done 
uh, karaoke, but he's a very accomplished guitar player, and his vocal range is amazing. I mean, the guy can sing BGs and he can sing George Jones. Oh, George Jones. Yeah. Well, I've, I've heard of him from way back. Yeah, and that's the first thing I think of is the karaoke end of it. I never really knew he played guitar. I don't think I've ever seen him play guitar. Actually, yeah. No, I don't think I ever have. But uh, but he's usually pretty much, what, two-piece with you pretty much? or Yeah. Um, years and years ago, he would uh, play with the family band, which was Bluegrass and Gospel. Uh, but during the, doing the karaoke thing, he somehow, I don't know how it happened, but a mutual friend of ours got us together and said, you guys would, would play really awesome together. And that's how Guitarioki was born. I mean, people would come and sing, and then we would back them playing live and <laughs> yeah. do background harmonies and kind of, uh, it was something different, a little bit of a novelty thing, but I found right. out how much I enjoyed playing with him. Yeah. But, well, there you go. The chemistry thing again happening, <laughs> you know. You can't pick and choose that. Either you got it or you don't. <laughs> and boy, when you got it, ride the wave as long as you can. Absolutely, yeah. and I, I think uh, one thing I didn't want to mention to you is that, especially for somebody like me who plays or had played as much as I did, it's important and you owe it to your crowd to keep it fresh, which was the cool thing that you guys did. You guys were always rotating your music, plus your set list is really awesome. But in terms of playing as much as I do, I wouldn't want someone to come Monday night to the ABC Club and see the same thing they're going to see Friday night at the XYZ Club. So oh, that's yeah. why you have the duo, the trio, the four-piece, the nine-piece funk band, the Latin band, the karaoke. Exactly. You really owe it to your crowd to, to make it fun and make it so it's something that is not where they sit down and go, oh, yeah, second set, just, just like how it is every other night. Yeah, exactly. And I know, exactly. Uh, well, that, yeah, that makes sense, you know, keep it all, you know, different like that, but... Uh, yeah, I like that. Um, all right, now look, you. I got one more question for you, and then I'm gonna let you go, go so you can go do your thing. But then I'm, I'm asking. I'm gonna start asking this to anybody I get on to talk to, and I need to know what's your most embarrassing moment while you've been out playing that you can tell us about. My most embarrassing be, moment. <laughs> most embarrassing moment in music history when you're up playing. You got to have something. I think probably the uh, the one thing that does come to mind is when I was, it was embarrassing. It was also horrific at the same time. Oh, I was geez. 15 years old. I had worked all summer long to save my money to buy my first, what I considered real guitar. I'd already picked it out. It was, um, let's see, 15. That would have made it 1978. Mm -hmm. I think it was a couple of years old. It might have been a Bicentennial Gibson Firebird. Ah, and um, okay. it was $450. I worked all summer to get that money. And I was the second show playing it. And it was towards the end of the evening, and we're playing, and my amp is crackling. I go, oh, my gosh, something's <laughs> going on with my amp. <laughs> so I go back to the amp, and... I can't make it do anything. And as I turned around, I noticed that my lead cord was kind of <laughs> hanging out of the guitar. It had a uh, flush mount on the front input jack. I didn't wrap my cord around my strap, and I actually jerked the whole 
<laughs> input jack and splintered it right out of the front of the guitar. <laughs> so, and there was a range of emotions I remember that happened, and I remember being 15 years old, all these people that are at this kegger party staring at me, and I'm bawling my eyes out because I just broke my guitar. Jeez, <laughs> oh, nobody understood. Oh man, now so I that would be my—that's my most embarrassing, upsetting, horrific moment that ever happened to me musically. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. You heard it here first. <laughs> well, Crispin, man, appreciate you coming on and and uh, taking up some of your time there to have a little chat with me, and I got to get you back on sometime. Absolutely, Frank. Thank you so much. Love your guitar playing. Keep doing your thing, man. People appreciate you. Well, thank you. Right back at you. And I did hit the record button, so this has been recorded, by the way. <laughs> Oh, I can't believe I did that with Tom. Dead comment. That was a good conversation I had with him. Urgh. So, all right, sir. You have a good night. Thanks, brother. You too. Talk to you soon. All right, bye. Well, thanks, Crispin, for that in-depth conversation with my man. Yeah, that was a nice conversation there. Get a little uh, insight to what he's up to and... uh yeah, thanks, Crispin. Appreciate that. And you can actually check him out this week, uh, Wednesday. Him and Norman Light's going to be at uh, Sand Hill, south of the uh, fountain in Marshall. There, down past the airport. They start at seven o'clock. What was the name of that? What that place used to be called? What place? The Sand Hill. I have no idea. What? What's that place out there? And um, I don't know, but I can't hear myself. Oh, how's that? Oh, okay then. Sorry about that. He just shut me down, folks. I did not. I didn't try. <laughs> now, what's that place that we usually go eat? Moonraker. Yes. Oh. The Moonraker. It used to be called the Moonraker. And then now it's the Sandhill. Anyway, he's uh, he's going to be there Wednesday with Norman Light. And then Friday, he's going to be with Chameleon at the Friendship Park there in Battle Creek, Michigan. That starts at 5. And uh, Saturday... Him and Brent Cole are going to be at the Albion Eagles at uh, 5 p.m. So you got to go check them out. The guy's really good, knows his stuff, and uh, really cool cat. So I don't know. You got anything else there, Pudge? I don't have anything else. We're good to go, huh? We are good to go. Well, now. Love you guys. Peace. So, yeah. We'll see everybody uh, Thursday. We have Tom Bishop on. I'm going to have another little chat with him. This time I'm going to record it. <laughs> so anyway. All right. Everybody have a good night. We'll see you.